You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Philippians chapter 3. And here we've seen Philippians chapter 3 where Paul has been dealing. He's, he wrote this letter to his partners. And, and I mean, you know, the, the church that he wrote to here was one of the poorest in, in, in amongst the churches. They were just a little military town in Philippi. But that was where that, that jail was shaken, and that jailer was going to, you know, commit suicide, and Paul stopped him. We all here, and he was amazed that Paul would do something like that, and he led him and his whole family to Christ and planted a church there. And this church in Philippi was so blessed by his ministry that they constantly were sending support wherever he was, in Thessalonica, wherever he went to go and preach, they would send supply and provision. And so he's writing to them as partners, and you can see, if you read between the lines, is that they were faced with a lot of different challenges. And anyone that walks in the, in the Word of God will understand that, how have you noticed, since you got saved, there's been some attacks. Things have come against our lives. When we look at this last year, and every, almost every single person has been touched some way, and some horrible things have happened, devastation, destruction, a lot of attack. But praise God, as we know, God gave us a word of relationship, restoration, reconciliation. And as we go into the new year, and as I said this morning, I always got to be cautious as, we, as I head for new year that I don't dip too much into my New Year's Eve message. Because the Lord's already speaking to me about the next year. But I, just to get ourselves up to speed for that, is we've got to be very cautious that we don't just write a year off. Now people say, I'm so glad that year is over. But remember, the word says, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. We're not glad for what's happening, but we're always going to be glad in it. And even though it's just one day that we're rejoicing in, you put 365 of those together, you got a year. This is the year the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So if I'm rejoicing and I'm glad all the way, I don't look back and say, I wish that I'm glad that's over. Because in amongst that situation, we've seen God move powerfully. don't know about you, but when we talk about relationship, my relationship with God is deeper than it's ever been before. How do you say amen to that? We've seen God restoring wonderfully and powerfully in our lives. And so, of course, this church in Philippi was facing the same kind of thing. Attacks were happening. They had all kinds of weird things happening. Uh, you know, people saying things like any church, you've got elements that would try to distract us from our vision, get us off track where we're going, because God gives us very specific, very purposeful calls. And as I said this morning, when we planted the church, I said to God, I don't just want to be church number 15. There's a reason we're here. What is the purpose we're here? And if you understand your reason, you understand your purpose, you can't be distracted. And you can see Paul talking to them and he's saying, you've been through challenges. He says, myself, I've been, I've been abased and I've been blessed. I've seen, been down and I've been out and I've been, you know, above. And, and, and I've seen that through anything, doesn't matter where you've been, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, he, and in this particular portion we're about to read, he's talking about the fact that he had being the most educated. He was the, 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 the Pharisee amongst Pharisees. And what he was saying is that he was highly educated in the Word of God. If anybody knew the Word, it was Paul. Come from the best schools. And then he goes on and he says, you know what, in all of that, no matter what I have received, I count it all as dung compared to the knowledge of Christ. 
I want to know Christ. I want to know His work. I want to know His Word. I want to walk with Him. So it's not about my own personal achievements. It's not about what I can do and, and who, who, how great I am. It's all about Christ. And then he gets down to verse 12, and he says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. In other words, I want to experience everything he's got for me. If he paid for my salvation, I want to walk in that full righteousness of God. If he took my sickness and disease on the cross and by his stripes I've been healed, I want to live in that divine life. If he, even though he was rich, for my sake became poor, that me through his poverty might be made rich, that he'll supply your every need, that you always have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work. I want that in my life. How many you say amen to that? I want everything that his gospel provides. And then Paul says in verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. What's he saying? I haven't yet arrived. I haven't got it all together. That's an amazing statement concerning that, considering that God used him to write almost two-thirds of the New Testament and the amount of revelation he had into righteousness and hearing God's voice and the gifts of the Spirit and praying in other tongues and provision. I mean, this man wrote a lot that we study from today. But he says, you know, even though I haven't arrived, this one thing, this one thing, this one thing. It's important to know that you know what this one thing is. Because if we don't know the one thing, we'll be distracted. And if we don't understand the principle of one thing, as I said, said, said this morning, is that, you know, you take a lifetime of teaching. Paul says, out of everything I've learned, this one thing I've learned. What is that, Paul? That I forget the things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? I've been through some tough times. I mean, think about it. There, he was even stoned and left for dead. And I mean, through many of the attacks, shipwreck and all these things were happening. But he says, the one thing I learned is if I let that get inside of me, it'll stop me from what God's called me to do. And he learned to draw a line in the sand and step over and say, that phase is over. I'm pressing on. I'm not going to let offense stop me. I'm not going to let these things draw me back. I'm going to keep pressing forward. And family God, no matter what the enemy tried to do to you this year, no matter how much he attacked you, know this, it's over. You are here tonight knowing that this one thing, we make a decision, we leave that behind. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor Allen. I don't have to understand. All I have to know is what Paul said. And if he said that, you will leave it behind. Yeah, but you know, and then you can forgive but not forget. Aren't you glad God doesn't? He says when he forgives you, he remembers your sin no more. He casts it into the sea as far as the east is from the west. He makes a choice to see you as righteous. Hallelujah. 
And so he's made that choice. We, we decide, no matter how much I've been hurt, no matter how much I've been attacked, no matter what persecution has happened, no matter how much has been taken from me, no matter what my body's been through, this thing I do know, my God never leaves me nor forsakes me. And if he is for me, who can be against me? And I have one reason, is I'm pressing for what God has called me to do. And that's what I'm focusing on. I'm moving forward. Bump your name and say, I'm moving forward. Say this one thing. That's what reminded me of Jesus when he said in Matthew 6.33, Seek first, first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Prosperity is a wonderful thing. You know I believe it. It's the word of God and I live in it. But that's not my pursuit. Too many people make the things of God a pursuit. And, and even turn it into where, you know, where people, where, where Jesus addressed them and said, you know, there were those that will come to him and say, we cast out demons in your name. We, we did mighty miracles in your name. And Jesus said, yeah, but I never knew you. It begins, we don't just seek the things. We don't just want, uh, you know, even if you think of things that happen in a, in a meeting, powerful miracles and, and moves and, and, and signs and wonders. It can become a thing where that's all we're seeking. No, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will happen. The only reason people are disappointed when these things don't happen is because that's what they were chasing. And then when it doesn't happen, we try and say, but God. No, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. Say amen. amen. Say this one thing. So what is the one thing? Just like Paul said, this one thing I've learned. If someone's on their deathbed, have you know they're not thinking about, uh, you know, as, as the swimming pool pump being switched on or off. No, they, they, they have one thing. They're trying to get the family together. And you know what it's like, Grandpa, what's the one thing you want to leave behind? For a year, years and lifetime of wisdom. And yes, Jesus about to leave the earth. He's died, paid the price for your sin, rose from the dead, and he's about to go back to heaven. This is the last time he's speaking to his disciples in the flesh. And this one thing, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Go and make disciples. Not go make converts. Make disciples. Make disciples. What's a disciple? It's a learner. A student. What does that mean? We have to learn the ways of God. He says, yeah, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so as much as you have anything happening, we want to always remember it's on the foundation of the word. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that's why Jesus, when he was teaching, I mean, you even see it in Matthew 9. We read it this morning. I won't go there for time's sake. Matthew 9, just write it down, 35 to 38. The Bible says that Jesus went around. He's busy teaching the kingdom of God, and he's doing miracles, healing people. And it says, but, as I said, that could be a powerful meeting. You think about it. I mean, Jesus expounding on the kingdom. And then he goes ahead, and, he, and he's healing. I mean, that, any, that would be a wonderful service. And yet he stops, and out of compassion, 
He says he saw the sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. That bothers Jesus. It's not about just the preaching. It's not just about having a great service. It's about nurturing, discipling. That's why when you remember when Peter, after he denied Jesus three times, and then when Jesus is getting ready to go, he addresses Peter and he says to him, Do you love me? And Peter says, Yes, you know I love you. What was his response? Feed my lambs. Asks him a second time, Do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He asked him a third time, Do you love me? Now, by this time, Peter's like, Lord, three times you've asked me? But remember, he denied him three times. Jesus is giving him a way back. Jesus is restoring him without guilt, without condemnation. You see, when people have hurt us, we want them to pay. You know, if it was in the flesh and you said, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows. And Peter's like, no, Lord, never. Just, I'm just letting you know that I'm praying your faith not fail you. And then, of course, it happens. And you imagine, you know, if it was uh, in the flesh, one of us would come back. Now, didn't I say? I told you. Jesus doesn't even do that. He says, do you love me? And by the third time, Peter says, Lord, you know. You know my heart. You know where I'm at. And what was Jesus' response? The third time, feed my sheep. Jesus has a passion for his sheep. I know you say you love me, but I want to see it. It's not just the words. And how do we demonstrate we love Jesus? By loving what he loves. He loves people. He loves people. He wants this world saved. For this purpose he came, to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come to build an organization so you'd have somewhere to sit on a Sunday. It's great. We come together. But the purpose, you know, we say we're going to church. And technically, you know, we are the church and that's the people. But this building's not the church. I said the building's not the church. We gather for a reason. Why? To worship God together, to experience His presence, to be equipped, to be taught, to have vision, to have faith injected into us. How will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear without a preacher? And so we come to receive faith. It's when you walk out the building that you're the church. That's the called out ones, separated from the world. But what reason? Not to condemn the world, not to look better than them, not to Bible punch them. It's to live a demonstrated life of Christ that others, when they see it, they say, I don't know what this is about you, but I like what I see. Why are you always so happy? Why are you always looking? I mean, the place can blow up and you're still smiling and worshiping and loving God. How is that even possible? You say, sit down for a while. Let me tell you about this God. God who loves you and how much he wants to do the same for you. That family is what people are going to be drawn to. Not turn or burn. It's the love of Christ that leads people to repentance. Say amen. And so we see as we went through the word of God, 
as you get down to Ephesians chapter 4, God Himself gave, verse 11, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. As I said, I said to God, why are we here? I don't just want to be church number 15. What's our reason? And God led me to this scripture. He spoke clearly. Equip my believers for the work of the ministry. See, God didn't give us pulpits, so we got somewhere to show off our gifts. We are here for equipping. We are here for equipping. Equipping for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not what happens behind the pulpit. That, that God gave some. Your pastor is God's gift to you. He deposited me in your life. Remember, Jesus said he's, he, he bothers when, when he has a sheep without a shepherd. He wants his sheep looked after. You know, you get these people that say, well, I don't really need to belong to an organization. You know, it's just me and Jesus. Jesus doesn't think so. He wants you with your apostle, with your prophet, with the evangelist, with the pastor, with the teacher. Why? To equip you to be able to do what God's called you to do. And what's the primary call? This one thing is to make disciples, be a part of raising disciples, be a part of leading people to Jesus. Amen. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. One thing I have learned, as I said this morning, having pastored church for many years, things come and things go. This is the latest flavor, and everybody runs there. And then there's another flavor, everyone runs there. But here we are, so many years later, still teaching the Word of God. Remember, Paul told Timothy, you have followed my doctrine. The, the Word that I've taught you. And the, the, the disciples, when they first were filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit poured out, Peter then went up and he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he spoke about great moves and power and anointing. For what reason? Then all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That day, 3,000 people were saved. And it says, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine. Why? God gives you that foundation for the equipping and we want to be focused so that we can be able to fulfill the call that God's given us, making disciples of every nation. And then he says, we speak the truth in love, grow up in all things into him, which is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself in love. Can everyone put their hand up? Say, that's me. I am part of the body of Christ. And I'm called by Jesus to do the work of the ministry, to make disciples. Can you see that? See, family of God, we've got to understand how important the Word of God is to Jesus. Jesus, I mean, He did amazing miracles. If you think of anybody did miracles, it's just Jesus. The Bible says, John wrote eventually in, his, in, in Revelation, he said that even if all the world books were, you wrote down, the, all the books in the world could not contain everything that Jesus did. When you read in the Gospels, that's just a fraction of, he just went around, signs, wonders, miracles, teaching the kingdom of God. And notice, 
I can just imagine Jesus now saying, well, you know, wherever I go, there's miracles. And so I'm going to go back home. I know people that need the word there. And he goes back to his hometown in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. He went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And so they were offended at him. Say what? They're saying, this man has amazing wisdom. We're hearing things coming out of his mouth we have never heard before. They see, they've heard about the miracles, but that's not the issue. We know you. We grew up with you. We played in the dirt with you. We know your father and your mother. You're just a carpenter. And then the Bible says, and so they were offended. Like that's the issue. Isn't it amazing? It's what we've seen. <laughs> I've seen it all around the world. Is that the moment it has an accent, we think it's the expert. What about the guy that grew up in your town? Yeah, but he's just one of us. That's exactly what happened here. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives, and in his own house. Family of God, be very cautious around the deceitfulness of familiarity. When we first get saved, praise God, Jesus put me in this church, and I'm here, and I'm learning so many things, and it's amazing, getting the move of God, and God's blessed us, and we see God doing things, and it's so awesome, and I'm excited about it. But what happens five years later when you've heard all the jokes? You know, if he reads that scripture, he's going to say this. Come on, how you know what I'm saying? The Word of God is unchangeable. And I'm teaching today what I taught on day one. My doctrine hasn't changed. Not one bit. Why? Because I go with the Word of God. I don't go one day and say, you know what I taught on that? That was wrong. Yeah, he has the new way. No, we stay with the Word of God. And it's very easy to get into a place where we become familiar because we've heard it before. When we understand that God has put us here for more than just learning the newest thing. Yes, we got much to learn. And there is line upon line, precept upon precept. You get to know more and more of the revelation of God. Your understanding becomes deeper and deeper. And you suddenly see mysteries you never saw before. That's fresh. That is new. But it's still founded on the original doctrine. The original teaching. And so when I'm here, when I was fast learning, you know, very quick learning, and I was learning all these new things, and no new things here, and new things there, and new things there. How many of you know when you start, even your own physical body, when you start working out, you know, you may start with a certain weight, and then all of a sudden your weights grow and increase, and you're jumping like, you know, from 5 kilograms, 10 kilograms, 20 kilograms, 40 kilograms, before you know you're 50 kilograms, 60 kilograms. How I many you know, eventually you get to a point where you can't keep going on like that, otherwise you're talking about 500 kilograms, 600 kilograms, 700. You know there's a limit. 
But as you get there, your, your jumps are smaller and smaller and smaller. But you never give up on the basics. You still train. You still keep the body fit. You keep it healthy. The same way in the spirit. We never give up on the former things, on the foundations. Come back to the word of God. Faith, because I'm strengthening myself and I'm equipping myself. For what reason? To make disciples. I don't come to church anymore to bless me. I come to church so that I can bless others. I come to hear the Word of God so that I can grow and I can increase so that I can get out there and make disciples. And if I've heard it all before, it's so that I can bring someone else in and they getting to hear it for the first time. And my joy is in them seeing, wow, what an awesome message. Wow, did you know? Wow, did God? Yeah, no, I've seen that before. No, no, no. I'm excited with you because you're learning something new as a disciple. And then once your disciple reaches a place where they now have learned a lot and they are walking in it, now it's to disciple them. Teach them all that I have taught you. Well, didn't he teach them how to make disciples? Well, now go teach someone else to do the same thing. And by doing that, as each part does that and stay excited, even if you've been in the Word for 20, 30, 40 years, you can't quote every scripture. Stay excited. Stay enthusiastic. And be a part of bringing others to hear the Word of God so that God can move in their lives. So often people say, I don't know how to lead someone to Jesus. That's fine. You can be excited about what God has done in your life and get them so excited that they come to church with you. And when they come, yeah, we'll get them saved. Just get them in the presence of God. Amen. Because in the presence of God, that's where that boldness comes. Remember Acts chapter 4 when... They were busy preaching Christ, and then they arrested Peter and John and, and addressed them and said, now you stop preaching. And if you do, we'll arrest you, we'll beat you up, we'll lock you away. So what did they do? They went home and said to everybody, guys, we have to calm down now, please. We need to put this down, you know, let, let's, let's just talk to us, us four no more, you know. We, we don't want to get locked up for this now. Is that what they did? No. They went to their own company, and they went... To the Lord. He said, now, Father, you called us. We're not doing this for us. This is your kingdom. And now, Lord, verse 29, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the same people that were filled in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, as a consequent experience. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen to this. They spoke the word of God with Boldness. Family of God, I want to encourage you. Don't get to a place where we just come to church on a Sunday. You come to be empowered. You come to receive the presence of God, the Word of God. And if you're still finding it nervous to talk to someone, get into the presence of God. Ask God to grant you boldness because that's all it takes. You don't have to try and explain the Scriptures. Someone says, where is that in the Bible? Come on Sunday, I'll show you. 
My pastor will make sure you hear it. But study. Spend time in the Word. Get to know what the Scripture says about an issue. Get to know how to answer a question. But we're not going to debate people into the kingdom of God. You can explain to them why Adam never had a belly button and, you know, where the dinosaurs came from and, you know, Noah and his ark and, and all these different things. But that's not what gets people saved. It's the boldness of Christ. The boldness of Christ. And each and every one of us have been called to be bold. This one thing. This one thing. Family God, that is my prayer. That as we come to an end of the year where two years, where the enemy has been trying to oppress the church. See, I see it more than a political thing. It's more than, you know, which big farmer are making money and whether this thing was manipulated or not. All of that is just debate and conspiracy theory. I understand the kingdom of God and the work of Satan to try and silence the church. And all of it was done to try and keep the church quiet, get them back in their houses. And that's not going to happen because on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, people heard from far and wide the noise and the sound of fire. And they knew that something had happened. Why were there 3,000 people at that meeting? Because they heard clean across town, something has happened. And family of God, I'm declaring that after these two years of trying to silence the church, the church is more powerful than a ever before. There's a rising up coming. There's a noise of brewing. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the move of God. A power that you've never experienced before. Even those that have experienced power and fire before. We're going to see a move of God as never before. Mobilizing His church. Rising up. Getting out. And people being bold enough in their workplaces. In your home cells. Miracles. Legs growing out in home cells. People being healed been delivered where people are going to say this is what I wanted I'm not interested in religion anymore I'm not interested in just sitting quietly and listening to a word I'm not interested in just coming to sing another song and pop something in a pocket I want to know God I want to experience His power I want to see the life of God flowing in me and through me in the supermarket you're going to be walking through the aisles and you're going to see someone in a wheelchair and go up and say do you want to be in that chair no sir well get up and walk and that person will rise and they will walk. It's time for the church to invade society and be the church. We put an end to poverty. I refuse to accept poverty. No, sir, don't even try and explain to me and say to me, well, you know, some do and some don't. No, God has provided and we as the church are the ones. Stop looking to government for the provision. We as the church, there was none amongst them that lacked in the book of Acts. None lacked. You and I are part of that church. And the Bible says they were either for them or they looked from a distance and were afraid of them. Ah, you see, we're not here to take sides. We're here to take over. And I'm talking about the kingdom of God, not a religious organization. Kingdom operating power. Where Jesus said, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you see us feeding orphans? Say, well, I don't have enough food. Doesn't matter. You need five loaves, two fish, and feed a whole household. Those are the miracles. 
And that was happening in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the only book that has not finished. All the other books, God bless you and amen. Goodbye. All the letters. The book of Acts, still open. You and I are that living church. We are an offspring. Download. Family. God of Abram, Isaac, Jacob. Uh-huh. Israel. Judah. Hello. All the way down. Dub, 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 dub. David. Keep going. Keep going. Eventually, Jesus. And he leads disciples. And those disciples went and did what Jesus said. And they made disciples. And then that disciple made a disciple. And that disciple made a disciple. And that disciple made a disciple. Made a disciple. Made a disciple. Made a disciple. Called Alan Bag. I'm a direct descendant from one of the disciples. And now I have made disciples. Family of God, we have the privilege of continuing, continuing the legacy of what was birthed in that upper room in the book of Acts. I feel a serious need to put a comma here because if I keep going, I'm into New Year's Eve. So big comma right there. <laughs> but however you can sense it. Family, this year coming up, I'm telling you, uh, God, that's something about God that I've learned. He is big into payback. Uh-huh. Amen. And you know what? It doesn't even matter whether it was your fault or not. Read the Bible. It is a historical record of people messing up because they turned from him. And the moment they turned back and said, you are God. He moved in and there was total restoration, doubling, making more powerful, more than ever. God will not allow his name to be mocked. And he wants. The world to know He is God. Can you get that revelation? We so we think we have to build a church and go and get people to come. Come to church. Come to church. Come to church. God wants them more than you want them to be here. The reason they they hesitant is because of the religiosity, the deadness. They don't waste their time on a Sunday. But when God moves, He wants to see people restored more than we do. He cost Him the blood of Jesus. That's why Paul said, if it cost Him His blood, I want it all. I want it all. If it cost Him His blood, we're going to experience it. And if you can get that into your revelation knowledge. God wants His church to grow. Jesus said, I will build my church. Just let God be God. 
Just God, Lord, that's where I said, you know, people came, do you know what they're saying about you? I said, God, don't, don't let that put you off. Whatever you want to do, go ahead. I don't, I don't even need to explain it. Because if you decide to bless, who am I to try and say, but that, that, that no, God just blesses. That, that's in his nature. Amen. And if someone don't get it, we'll still get them saved. They'll come to know the word. They'll eventually come to know Jesus and know the Father. Just like they were upset in their hometown. I can get it. I understand. It's new to you. You think I'm from here. You think I know, you know, whatever. No. Come to know Jesus. Notice what Jesus' response was. When they, were, when they rejected what he said, he went about. Watch this. Come have a look here. It's, I didn't finish reading it. The Holy Spirit moved. <laughs> and I'm going with what he says. Listen to this. So he got through saying, A prophet's not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5. I'm reading from Mark 6. Now he could do no mighty work there. Say what? This is Jesus. Mark chapter 6. Verse 5 now. He could do no mighty work there. Jesus, how come he couldn't do it? Except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. He marveled because of their, their unbelief. So what's the solution? He went about the villages in a circuit teaching, teaching, teaching. Amen. Before someone criticizes, first ask the question, why do you believe it? I will show you from the scripture. Everything we stand for and believe here is it is written. I said, are you that this group? And they got a name. I don't want to call any today because there's usually a whole bunch of them. Are you that group? Before we answer that, let's see what the word says. Just calling me names doesn't negate something. Do you know that even the word Christian was used in a negative way first? Why? Because they were running around acting like Christ. They, they, Jesus said, go do what I taught you. So they went and they preached the kingdom and they healed the sick and things were happening. And people said, look at those, all those little Christs. That's where Christian came from. That's the first time they were called Christians. So boldly today, are you a Christian? For sure. I'm an, an anointed one. That's what Christ means. Amen. Hallelujah. Haven't you lived, ready to live that life? Just raise your hands right now. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus. You see, it's so easy for the enemy to try and make you feel like you're insignificant. He'll try and use either myself who teaches the word. This is, this, you understand, my knowledge of the scriptures, the way I teach it, is not because Alan Bagg's clever, it's his grace. 
It's His grace. But the enemy will try and use that and say, well, you're just not like your pastor. I wish I had faith like my pastor. No, if you had a grain of faith like a mustard seed, you can command a mountain to be moved. See, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. You're born again, Christ lives within you. Maybe you'll try and use your cell leader or someone that's discipling. You say, man, these guys are so powerful. They know everything. I don't know if I can do that. No. You just be you. You're equipped. You have Christ in you. You don't have to memorize Matthew through to Revelation. Jesus told His disciples, don't try and figure out what to say. When the time comes... The Holy Spirit will tell you. How many of you here tonight in our campuses have been in a conversation and in that conversation talking about the Word of God to someone who maybe don't go to church, you're trying to share with them the Word, and all of a sudden you find Scriptures just flowing off your tongue. And you're thinking, where did that come from? Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? Every one of us that have chosen to believe for that. You don't have to try and make it happen. See, when it comes to a move of God, for the power of God to move, we so often are looking for the power and the move. God's ready to move. Moses didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what? I need a word from God. I'm going to go look and see if there's a burning bush somewhere. He was just walking along. And there the burning bush showed up. And you notice once the burning bush happened, it didn't become a doctrine. Now everybody needs to go find a bush. No, it becomes symbolic because your burning bush may not be like Moses, but you will have an encounter. There'll be a moment and you, it'll be when you least expect it. And it's because you're open, because you're expectant. And all of a sudden, you have that encounter with God. Because once He has spoken and you have that encounter with God, you'll never be the same again. You cannot be silenced. Why do you think I speak the way I do? Not because I went to some Bible college and just got a bunch of wisdom and now I'm just teaching from my notes of Bible school. No, God had called me. And there was a moment, an encounter and after that fire of God hit me and he said to equip believers for the work of the ministry and he spoke clearly, you cannot silence me. That's where you can stare into the face of authorities and they're saying, no more. And you can say, do I obey you or do I obey God? Because God has spoken so clearly and I know I'm standing before Him one day and I need to be looking in the eyes of compassion where it says, well done, good and faithful servant. To me, that's more important than being locked away in a prison. Lord, grant me boldness that I speak the word as you gave it to me in the encounter that I had with you. Just open your heart tonight because within you is a gift. There's a well of water. There's a well of fire. There's a well of His presence that overwhelms and ignites what He's placed in your heart. You are born again for a purpose. Not just to get to heaven. There's someone outside those doors 
that needs to hear your story. I, they're not going to listen to me. But they'll hear you. And you are strategically placed. Be ready for it. Don't say one day when I'm finished Bible college, one day when I'm called, one day. No. Monday. Monday. Wake up tomorrow morning a little earlier. And get into the presence of God and say, Father, fill me again with your power. Fill me again with your fire. Grant me boldness. Give me an opportunity today to share your word with someone. And watch how your Monday will never be the same again. Forget the Monday blues. You can't wait for a Monday. I said you can't wait for a Monday. Why? Because you got another opportunity to preach the gospel. Father, we thank you for your presence. And I pray that you see each and every person here. And I pray that you grant each one boldness to speak your word. I pray upon each and every person a fire that they have within their very spirit being, your presence, your anointing. If they lay hands on someone that is sick, that person will recover. I pray, Father, that you bless and multiply each one, that they always have provision and supply to meet every need that they see out there, not just their own, but all those around them. Let it be known. Make your name famous through us. Presence of God, Jesus. Fresh oil, fresh fire. Glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.